0: thought how appropriate that phrase is, I lay it down when we think about the struggle that sometimes we have with forgiving others who've hurt us. And sometimes just literally through prayer and commitment and release, just laying it down as it were at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, you're going to have to help me because I'm really struggling with this area of forgiveness. Let me just mentioned in regard to our congregation that uh, Karen and Cindy Painter in our church family uh, lost their dad on Friday. and There is a viewing today at the Job Funeral Home uh, in Monroeville, and then a service tomorrow at 10 o'clock, and I know some of you are in Grove with Karen and Cindy, wanted you to be aware of that. Also, uh, thanks to those who came out yesterday for the workday, despite all the rain, didn't get the mulch put out, and if you would be available maybe for a couple of hours after the Easter egg hunt this Saturday, around noon, if you could maybe help put out some mulch with a shovel, that would really be appreciated. You could let John Shulow or Todd Reich know about that. Well, as we continue our series on forgiveness, today we're talking about forgiving the debtor. We have our passage before us out of Luke chapter 23. Two other men... Both criminals were also let out with him to be executed. Now the hymn there is Jesus. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Next Sunday begins what Christians all over the world term Holy Week, and often, particularly on Good Friday of Holy Week, multitudes will focus on the seven last words or sayings of Jesus from the cross. The prayer that Jesus prays in our text today, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing, is considered by many to be the first word. That Jesus spoke from the cross. Forgiving those who were killing him. Our title, Forgiving the Debtor. If you study the New Testament in the original Greek language, you'll find there are several words for sin. In the Lord's Prayer, if we find as we find it in Matthew chapter 6. It says, forgive us our debts, and that's used metaphorically there for sin. It is a word in the Greek, uh, Lima, and it has the idea of failure to pay something that is owed, or failure of duty. In other words, somebody not doing right towards somebody else, somebody wronging somebody else. And really, what we're talking about today is forgiving those who have hurt us. And the Lord Jesus exemplifies that, and then he challenges us to do the same. And so notice, first of all, the pattern of Jesus that we're to follow. I love that phrase out of 1 Peter chapter 2, where the Bible says we're to follow in his steps, Christ leaving us an example. And as our leader, and as our Savior, and as our Lord, and as our example, he shows us How to be forgiving. Notice here, it just says, the pattern of Jesus, Jesus said. And that ought to be enough to compel us to be forgiving because Jesus teaches and exemplifies the forgiving spirit himself. I remember years ago when I was in college, hearing an old Texas preacher preach on the uh, Bible uh, Bible text, you must be born again. And he had four points, and I can't remember three of them. But there's one that I've never forgotten. His point was, you need to be born again because Jesus said you need to be born again. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good point. Jesus said to do it, so you need to do it. And here the Lord Jesus said. He prayed the prayer of forgiveness. And you know what? He was practicing what he preached. Because in Matthew 5 and verse 44, clear back when he taught the Sermon on the Mount, at the beginning of his ministry, some three years earlier, he had taught his followers to pray for those who persecute you and to love your enemies. And so here is the Lord Jesus exemplifying his own teaching and challenge to us to forgive those who are hurting us, to forgive those who are doing us wrong. And you say, well, you know, Tim, that's great that Jesus did that. And that's great that Jesus told us to do that. But guess what? I'm not Jesus. Have you ever felt that way? Sometimes I feel that way. I look at the scripture and I hear the challenge, you know, do what Jesus did. And somewhere in my heart, I cry, but I'm not Jesus. I'm not, you know, uh, God the Son and the Son of God. I don't know if I can do that. And yet I can assure you this morning that we can forgive as Jesus did. Because first of all, he commanded us to do so. And he would never ask us to do anything that we cannot do. Number two, we have an example of it. Stephen, who is a deacon in the early church. The Bible says when they are crushing the life out of him with stones in Acts 7, Stephen is able to pray, looking toward heaven, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He is following the command of Jesus and the example of Jesus to be forgiving even toward those who are killing him, let alone hurting him. And then I would say furthermore, if you're a Christian here this morning, if I'm a Christian here this morning, we have the enabling presence of Jesus Christ. Christ within us. Because you're right. In a sense, we are not Jesus. And so to do something forgiving like this, you've got to be kidding. I can't do it. But with Christ in me. I have the potential to do it. And it was just amazing to go through the Word again and be reminded how many times the Bible says to you and I that when we have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, that He, in a spiritual, dynamic way, has placed His presence within us. The Bible says in John, in chapter 14, and verse 20, Jesus said, I in them, speaking of his followers. He says, in, that's in chapter 17 and verse 23, but in John 14 and verse 20, he says to his disciples, when will you realize I am in you? Romans chapter 8 verse 9, if the Spirit of God lives in you, verse 10, if Christ is in you, 2 Corinthians in chapter 13, the Bible says there that if you realize or do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you, Galatians 2 and verse 20, that famous verse, the life that I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And just before that it says that Christ lives in me. Ephesians 3 and verse 17, let Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. Colossians 1.27, this is a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. First John, 3 and verse 24, the Bible speaks there of us understanding that he lives in us. Brothers and sisters, you might look at a situation and say, there is absolutely no way that I could forgive that person. But with Christ in you, with Christ in me, we can. Because he did it And He can do it through us. You say, Christ in me? Yes, theologically, I think it's called regeneration. It's the idea that when we came to faith in Christ, there was a spiritual renewal, a spiritual life that came within the very presence of Christ. And it is enabling, and it is eternal. And so we are able to say with Paul in Philippians 2.13, I can do everything. Through him who strengthens me, even forgive somebody who's really hurt me bad. I spent some time this week with one of our members and talked with them about abuse they had experienced in earlier years. And now they have forgiven. And I said, if you don't mind, tell me, how did you forgive? And basically, I could summarize it in a simple outline. There was request. There was beginning to seek to be spiritual and live out the life of Christ and begin to pray for the abuser. Not only that, there was a revealing Not so much that person and not to make big public headlines and get them in trouble and, you know, hang the dirty laundry out for everyone, but going to somebody and saying, listen, there's a secret that I've been struggling with and I just need to share it with somebody and with a confidant. They have been able to reveal what happened to them. And there was something so freeing about being able to say this is what happened and being able to understand that they were not guilty, that they did not cause that, that they did not deserve that. And then finally, there came a point of just release, where they say, it's done, it's in the past, I still have a life to live, I still have grace of God in my life, I still have people to love for and people who love me, and and I'm just going to go on. And there just came a point where, you know what? What happened, happened, and now I'm going to go forward. And in a sense, a release from that. And they said, in fact, the release has been so great that honestly... Now I can go for days and not even think about it where it used to be in the very forefront of my mind day after day after day. Yes, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And Jesus says to us, We too are to be forgiving. Oh, in and of ourselves, we say, I can't do it. But He's commanded us to do it. We can. Others have done it, like Stephen. We know it's possible. He's in us. And he, through us, can help us do it. And Yes, practically, we may need to take some human steps. But as we do those, we can forgive those who are in debt to us, those who have hurt us. Not only the pattern of Jesus, but notice the prayer of Jesus itself. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Just for myself, I just always love to study the prophecies of the Old Testament and see how they just continually point to Jesus. Uh, two or three times in the New Testament, Jesus said, look, the, the volume of the book, it's written of me. Uh, in the law, in the Psalms, in the prophets, it's about me. And even this prayer, I believe, is prophesied in the Old Testament. Doug read for us today one of my Favorite passages of the Old Testament is so enormous and so humbling and so amazing and so about Jesus in Isaiah 53. And in the last phrase of that great chapter, it says he made intercession. We would say today, he prayed for the transgressors. And I believe that is happening right here on the cross, that Jesus is praying. And I believe it goes beyond just the soldiers who are nailing him to that tree and just the immediate crowd who's mocking him there, but even to people like Pilate and the Sanhedrin who condemned him, the Lord Jesus says, Father, forgive them. He prayed for the transgressors. I find interesting that in a sense, the Lord Jesus is so gracious them and about them when he prays for them because he says, Father, they didn't even really know what they were doing. And you know, that is a theme in the New Testament. When Peter is preaching in Acts in chapter 3 and he's challenging the crowd of Israelites there that day in Jerusalem about how they had crucified Jesus Christ, he says in verse 17, now fellow Israelites, I know That you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Paul, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 8. He said, if the rulers of this age had understood this, about the mystery of God and the plan of salvation and God's work in Christ being crucified, but if they had understood who Christ really was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There is a theme from the prayer of Jesus that runs through the New Testament. Father, forgive them. And Father, part of that forgiveness in the sense is they really didn't know what they were doing to me. Oh, those soldiers knew how to execute a criminal. Pilate knew what it was to pass judgment. The Sanhedrin knew what it was to put blasphemers under condemnation. But ultimately... And it reminded me of the old song written by Robert McGimpsey. Sweet little Jesus boy, they made you be born in a manger. Sweet little holy child, we didn't know who you was. Just seems like we can't do right. Look how we treated you. But please, sir, forgive us, Lord. We didn't know it was you. And you know, it just may be that when you and I begin to pray a prayer of forgiveness toward those who have hurt us, that maybe it might help to somehow understand they really didn't know how bad they were hurting me. They really didn't get it. Even though we think they knew what they were doing and they got it. Maybe they just didn't really know how much harm they were bringing my way. And I would just say that it might be good to reflect back on some time when you've hurt somebody else. Did you intend for all of the damage and all of the hurt you caused to happen? No. Probably not. And then I find here that it's interesting to me as I read this, about the Lord Jesus praying to forgive those who are hurting him. I, I asked this question. Thank you for letting me preach this because it caused me to go back and dig into a lot of questions in my own theology and my, my own understanding. And I thought, as I read the Psalms, there are what are called imprecatory Psalms or Psalms that invoke judgment on people. And there are several of them. And, and I thought, how do these Psalms of the Old Testament, where David basically is praying, God God, crush my enemies. I mean, at one point he speaks about God basically take their teeth out. We would say, Lord, knock their teeth out. And it's almost like, how does that stack up in the Bible with Jesus praying, Father, forgive them who are hurting me? As I studied it out, I appreciated what a column called Bible Questions had to say. It said, When David is praying or Asaph or an unknown author in one of the Psalms about, you know, Lord, crush your enemies. It's not so much a personal vendetta as it is, number one, God, show your passion against evil doing. Number two, God, show your power over all mankind, those who do good and those who do bad. And God, number three, show your protection for your people. And so I would say, as we look at the Scriptures as a whole, we look to Jesus praying for those who've hurt Him and who've done Him wrong and are killing Him, and I think, hey, Scriptures can teach us, pray for God's work in their life hopefully even unto salvation of their soul and a turning to him. And number two, as we pray earlier in the Lord's Prayer, God, your will be done. Understanding when God advances his church, it is at the retreat of the kingdom of darkness. When one goes forward, the other has to receive. So it's not about praying for a personal vendetta. Lord, I'm going to pray for my enemy, and I'm going to pray you knock their teeth out. no. Lord, I'm going to pray for my enemy as Jesus did. Lord, I'm going to pray for the one who's hurt me, that you would work in their soul to bring them to the right relationship with yourself. And Lord, I'm going to pray for them that just your will be done. And then finally, would you notice the problem that Jesus warned about? This is found in Matthew 6.15. It is after the Lord's Prayer. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, the Lord Jesus not only mentions that here, but he mentions it again in Matthew in chapter 18. We find it also in Luke and in Mark. He said, if you are unforgiving, you won't be forgiven. I loved what I read in one commentary that said Jesus puts such a premium on forgiveness when he's teaching his followers because he wants us to be a forgiving community. Oh, we're not going to be a perfect community. We're not going to be everything that we should be all the time community, but all oh, to be able to be a forgiving community because I'm going to tell you something, we all need that kind of community. Because there isn't a person in here that's not a debtor. There isn't a person in here that hasn't hurt somebody. And there isn't a person in here that hasn't struggled with forgiving others at some point. And there isn't a person here that hasn't struggled with needing forgiveness. And so the Lord Jesus says to his followers, in a sense, if there's one place where you can find forgiveness, it ought to be my church, my people, my followers. And sadly, many times, it's the last place that people find forgiveness. Not only a community of forgiveness, but Jesus speaks about a contrast of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, he gives a story or a parable about a fellow who owed a king such a debt. It was like the United States debt. Probably never get it paid off. And the king forgives him this massive debt. He goes out on the street, having just been forgiven this massive debt, encounters another guy who owes him maybe 250 bucks, and he says, man, pay me. And the guy says, look, I need some time. I can't pay you right now. And this guy, who's just been forgiven this massive, incredible debt, you can't even multiply or add to figure out the amount, nails this other guy for 250 bucks and has him thrown in jail over it. When the king finds out, I mean, he really comes down on this ingrate who was forgiven so much and can't forgive 250 bucks. Jesus said, that's the way the Heavenly Father is going to deal with you if you're not forgiving toward others. And again, I, I, I wrestled with that. I thought, you know, am I... A debtor to God? I mean, we talk about that theologically in church. We're debtors to God. What does that mean? And then again, as I looked at it and I studied it out, I liked what Charles Spurgeon said, the great prince of preachers. He said, as God's creatures, we are all debtors to him, to obey him with all our body and soul and strength. Having broken his commandments, we are debtors to his justice. You say, but Tim, I'm saved. I've been forgiven of all my sins before God. Do I still consider myself a debtor to God? And Spurgeon went on to say, in a sense, yes, ten times more so. Because you see, you have been forgiven your sins and unrighteousness and wickedness has been taken care of by the slaughter of Jesus Christ upon the cross and yet in spite of that massive forgiveness we still tend to disobey and disregard the will of him who loved us so much oh the grace how great a debtor all oh, the more so to come and say father I'm sorry Because you've given me your grace. You've given me your son. You've given me your salvation. And I still go off and make wrong choices against your will. Father, forgive me. And then you and I will not turn around and forgive somebody else. Then I see the concern about a forgiving spirit. Jesus did not say, if you get drunk, you won't be forgiven. Jesus did not say, if you commit immorality, you won't be forgiven. Jesus did not say, if you steal or lie, you won't be forgiven. But Jesus did say, if you have an unforgiving spirit, you're not willing to lay aside your bitterness and your anger to treat the other person in a right way? Jesus said, you know what? You're in trouble. Now, I don't know all that means, but I do know Jesus cautioned us about it repeatedly in his teachings. I was at a mission conference at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary the past two days? and I would just say to you, you know, when our Church has an opportunity to involve in things like that, and we put it in the bulletin. Folks, take advantage of it. some great stuff. I don't agree with everything, but I'll tell you what, there's some good stuff there. And I love this this one illustration. It was a story, true story, uh, from uh, Hunter Farrell, who works with the PCUSA mission program, and he said that he knew of a pastor David, David, we would say, down in Colombia. And he went to minister in a town at a church that was filled with church members who, frankly, were really struggling with being forgiving toward one another because everybody in that village had a family member who had been affected by the drug war and the war of liberation between the government forces and the forces of the National Liberation Army there in Colombia. And usually someone in every family had experienced, you know, uh, prison or even torture or even death at the hands of one of the warring factions, and a lot of times because somebody told on somebody else. So even within a church fellowship, there was a lot of bitterness and a lot of unforgiveness toward each other. And so here's what Pastor David did. He had the congregation there in all of their struggle of forgiveness. He had them all get around inside the church building in a circle. And then he took his Bible and he placed it right in the center of the worship area. And he said to the folks, he said, what is the thing that we should do if we want God to help us have the right spirit? Nobody said anything for a while. Finally, one teenager spoke up. and He said, well, we should draw closer to Jesus. He said, good answer. So he said, okay, here's the word. Here's Jesus. He said, how about everybody taking a step closer to Jesus? And all around this room, these unforgiving people toward each other, they all took a step closer to the Bible. And then the pastor said, now look where you are. You're not only closer to Jesus, but when you took a step closer to Jesus, you took a step closer to each other. Are you struggling with being unforgiving today? Start praying for those who've hurt you. Not within a vendetta, but for their salvation, for their forgiveness, for their growth, for God's will to be done. Number two, if you're really struggling about it, Just get together with another brother or sister and say in confidence, would you pray about this with me? I am really struggling about this forgiveness thing. And Jesus said, be forgiving, but you won't be forgiven. So pray with me, encourage me. And then number three, oh, may God bring the day. We can just finally let it go. There's too much life to live for the Lord. I'm not going to let this thing dominate me and deteriorate me. I'm going to go on and live life and serve the Lord and enjoy the salvation He gives me. And all that would come to the point where we could not only forgive, but even forget. Father, forgive them. They really don't even know what they're doing. Oh, to be more like Jesus.